It's so good to see all of y'all. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Have y'all put up your Christmas trees and all that? Ours is still up because I just didn't have the energy to get it down. And, uh, and a lot of the, the Orthodox traditions, they don't put their Christmas trees up until January 5th, which is Epiphany, uh, when we celebrate the coming of the wise men. And I told Mark, I said, just this year, I'm going to convert to the Orthodox church because I just don't have the energy to put it all up. So <laughs> anyway, hats off to those of you who've got your houses perfectly clean. But uh, it's so great to be kicking off a brand new year with you here at Martha Bowman. I'm so excited about this year and just have this great sense of anticipation about what are the great things that God is going to be doing in your lives and through the ministries uh, through this church. So it's just a great time. I want to make one announcement though. Some of you have, uh, if you are in youth world here at Martha Bowman, you're already aware of this and this is kind of a bittersweet announcement. But Ashley Griffin, who is our youth pastor, uh, let us know uh, during the Christmas holidays uh, that he was going to be taking a position with uh, Bibb County Parks and Rec. It was an opportunity that was presented to him and he and his family prayed about it and felt like this was what God was saying for the next step in their lives. And so we celebrate uh, a new opportunity for him, but we are also incredibly sad uh, that he will be stepping down formally as the youth pastor here at Martha Bowman. Uh, the good news is, is that they're not going anywhere. So, uh, you know, he can still be involved as a volunteer and in worship. Uh, so that's that's the great news. Uh, and we will formally be recognizing him next Sunday uh, to celebrate and honor him. But I wanted to go ahead and let you know that. And uh, in the interim, though, LC uh, is uh, the assistant youth pastor here. Uh, she's going to be stepping in in that interim role. And we've just got a tremendous team of volunteers. Uh, Mark's going to get a little more involved in the interim here just to kind of uh, make sure that the kids are taken care of, everything is going to go great. Um, but then also we will begin a formal search, and hopefully by May, and as we head into the summer, uh, that the Lord will have brought somebody our way. But we do pray, invite you to pray with us uh, through that process. But uh, if you see Ashley, give him a big hug, thank him. Uh, what a tremendous gift he's given this church to shape so many lives. Uh, and we will never know until eternity uh, the impact that he has had on all all the kids that have come through his youth program. So with that, we thank you, Griff. Griff is what we call him. So, well, great. Well, transitioning uh, to our sermon today, we are kicking off a new series uh, entitled Resilient uh, Stories of Courage from a Generation in Exile. Stories of Courage from a Generation in Exile. So this fall, the staff, we read a book together. We uh, got everybody a book. We had a day away where we read through the book, we talked about it, kind of tried to lift up some principles and things that might be helpful here at Martha Bowman. But the title of the book was Faith for Exiles. And I've actually given it to you there in your sermon notes as kind of for additional reading. But Faith for Exiles. And, and here is the phrase. I really liked the title of the book better than anything. But the, the tagline that goes with this book was Five Ways for a New Generation to Follow Jesus in Digital Babylon. I really, I kind of, that phrase kind of struck me, digital Babylon. And so the authors kind of coined this phrase to, to talk about and to describe this, this generation that we're living in that is so being shaped by this little thing right here. <laughs> 
How many, how many of y'all have one of these? Let, lift it up. Who, who else got one? For those of you who put it away and turned it off while I was preaching, thank you very much. I will say this actually has a clock right here. Sometimes I do and I don't watch that. So anyway, if we get to about 10 to 12 and I haven't stopped, y'all, y'all just do this for me. You, you can't look at your phones. No. <laughs> Sometimes I can go a little long up here. But anyway, but they used the phrase digital Babylon to talk about how our, our iPhones, our iPads, our computer screens, are shaping our culture, and in particular, how they are shaping and kind of redefining almost how we pursue God, uh, what our beliefs are, what we think about everything from politics to travel to education, and how things like uh, algorithms are actually, and they call them smart computers, that that actually can begin to try to discern, like, what are the, the, the things that you like? And so let me give you more articles about that, and let more things come in in your newsfeed, and how it's really shaping our souls, shaping how we pursue God. Um, some other things that that they they lifted up in their book, and other things that you know we just know is that is that scientists tell us who study our brains that actually adolescents and children who are spending you know a lot of time on their screens that they're actually seeing changes in in the way their brains are wired. Uh, we are seeing increases in depression uh, as people are. Uh, sleeplessness, but this is some of the negative ways that our phones and this technology uh, are impacting our lives. I know my daughter was home for the holidays, and uh, she has a two-year-old, our our old granddaughter, uh, Claire, and uh, and Mary had just read some horror thing on, you know, Facebook about some kid, and there was a sexual predator, and they kept to him through their social media, and she, she stands in my kitchen, and she goes, Claire, you will never have a phone ever, ever, ever. <laughs> and so, you know, as, as adults and as families, sometimes we want to we wanna just protect our children, protect our tribe, and just say, no, let's push the world out. And so, but what we want to do in this sermon series is kind of dig in and look at stories of courage from biblical characters, true stories of people who actually lived in a culture other than Israel. So what, what do I mean? by this. Um, Before kind of the last little bit of the Old Testament, we read in 2 Kings, we read from the prophet Jeremiah that Israel, um, well, the southern kingdom of Israel, uh, otherwise known as Judah in the scriptures, that they had had a series of really bad kings where they had been worshiping other idols and the prophets would try and call them back to the faith in God. And then they they would be good for a little while and then they would backslide. And finally, God proclaims his judgment on, on Judah and he he says that the, that the Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar, is going to come and take away uh, the people of, of Israel, or the, the southern kingdom of Judah, into captivity. And so we read about that in Jeremiah. We read about that at the end of 2 Kings. And so where we are digging in today is we are looking at stories of these exiles, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Esther, Mordecai, Daniel. Jeremiah, those who were living in ancient Babylon, those who were no longer in Jerusalem, where the the center of their religious life centered around the temple, their cultural identity was there in Israel, there was this homogeneous society, they were now in a foreign culture, in a foreign land, it was monotheistic, meaning there were were many gods that were worshipped, they were living in a very diverse culture with a lot of diverse beliefs, there were uh, lots of opportunities for unfaithfulness 
sinfulness, and they were trying to make sense of how can we make sense of the culture that we're living in here in Babylon, but also how can we have a resilient faith? How can we be faithful disciples of Yahweh in the midst of this new situation? And, and their stories, I think, connect to our story, because I think there's a, a couple of, well, I think there's three tendencies that we sometimes as moms and dads, as a church, uh, have when we're presented with, with something new that, that feels foreign, that feels unfamiliar, that feels scary. Uh, I think there's some, a few things we can do. One is we can just stick our head in the ground and just say, no, 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 you know, it didn't happen, it didn't happen, it didn't happen. I'm just, I'm not going to pay attention to the world, and I'm just going to pretend like, like the, this, the, the landscape hasn't changed. But here's the thing, it has. Uh, another, another response sometimes is that we just want to say, okay, like my daughter, we're, we're just going to, we're just going to hunker down. We're not going to have anything to do. We're going to throw all of our cell phones away. We're never going to let you have a Facebook account. You can't go on Twitter. You can't do any of this where we just try to overprotect and maybe helicopter our lives. Y'all probably heard that term. And the, the problem is that doesn't really work either. Um, and the other thing is, is to just get so discouraged and depressed and to kind of rail against the heavens. It's like, oh, I wish it was back the way it was when I was a young girl. You know, when I was growing up, everybody went to church. Everybody went to Wednesday night supper. Yeah, and just begin to, to, you know, bemoan that we don't live the way we used to live. And so I don't think that's a healthy response either. So what we're doing in this sermon series is we want to acknowledge that there, times are changing. There is this new reality. And so I hope that as we dig in and we look at their stories, that two things are going to happen. I hope it's going to help us make sense of the cultural landscape. I hope it's going to make sense of the cultural landscape. And I hope that it's also going to help us ask the question, how can we be courageous, resilient age that we find ourselves in? How can we be those shining lights, those beacons of hope, just like Daniel was, just like uh, Esther, those who were living in Babylon? And, and I want to say, though, too, just as a caveat, our, our screens are neutral. They are not positive. They are not negative. They are not good. They are not evil. It is all about how we use our screens. Uh, even in preparing for this sermon, uh, I was able to look up Greek words and Hebrew words and look at the tense. I was able to uh, just do all kinds of things. I can use my phone to FaceTime my granddaughter who lives in Texas. And so there's so many good things, good things, but we want to be discerning. We want to understand the times. And so just a couple of truths that I want to give you to kind of ground this sermon series, and Joseph, if you'll just pull this up, is that the digital age is shaping and transforming our culture. It is. It is. That is a fact. And the digital age is affecting how we shape our souls. So with that, and I, and I made those as neutral statements. It's not a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It just is a thing. So as we uh, dig into this sermon series, I'm so excited about it. Uh, I really just want us to all sit here for the next three hours, and I want to just walk you through the whole thing. But y'all will just, you know, y'all will start leaving after a while. But anyway, so I'm not going to do that. I'm actually going to try and stay on time. But I hope you'll come back because I hope that this won't be, I hope if you're here this Sunday, I hope you'll come back for every sermon in this series because there's just so much to unpack and so much that we can learn from their lives that are extremely relevant to the tension and the times that we live in today. So with that, 
Let's jump in and pull out your bulletins, and we're going to talk about our first, our first story of courage, and that is of the prophet Jeremiah. So, unpacking this here today, Jeremiah, you can find his book in the Bible. Uh, it's right about, if you take your Bibles and you open it up, it's probably going to hit around Psalms. Uh, you've got Psalms and Proverbs, you've got Isaiah, and then you've got Jeremiah. So he's a little bit over halfway. Uh, Jeremiah was a prophet, uh, and he prophesied during the time right before the, Isra the, the Judea, I guess the Israelites, uh, were taken into captivity, and he warned the people and warn the people. It's like, repent, turn back to God, throw away your idols, or it's not going to be good. Israel did not listen, they did not repent, and what he prophesied happened. Nebuchadnezzar came, he uh, destroyed the city, he burned the temple to the ground, he broke down the walls, uh, and, and basically, uh, life as they knew it was completely destroyed. Our story picks up, Jeremiah has written a letter. He has written a letter from Jerusalem, and he's written it to the exiles who are now living in Babylon in this foreign culture. So let's begin to read. He says, these are the words of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the remaining elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. So I kind of want to set the, 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 the kind of the picture for you here. Prior to the exile, um, the way the Jews predominantly worshipped God was at the temple. This was kind of the center of their worship. This is where the priests would come and they would bring their sacrifices. We read about the different festivals and they would, they would go to Jerusalem. But this was kind of where God resided in the, in, the, in the Holy of Holies. And so it was almost like if you can imagine, I'm trying to, like where, where something is spinning like this and this, this was kind of the the center, the core of which everything in their life, their culture revolved around. So now think about how disorienting that is for them as they have left Jerusalem and now they are in this foreign land and there is no temple. They're, they're pre they have their priests, they've traveled with them, but according to the Jewish law, they could not offer animal sacrifices anywhere except in Jerusalem. So their very way of worshiping, their very culture, their identity, all of this has been uprooted. And these are the words of promise and of hope and comfort and, and direction and instruction that Jeremiah gives to these exiles living in this foreign land. And he says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now, here's the first thing. As we think about this new cultural uh, you know, setting that we're living in, this digital age, here's the thing that I know that I know that I know that I know is that God is still speaking. He is still speaking every day. He is still speaking to you. He is still speaking to Martha Bowman. Uh, he is speaking. Uh, it talks about in Lamentations that the steadfast love of the Lord uh, is new. His mercies are new every single morning. His word is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. God is still listening. He's still speaking to those who have ears to hear. And that's what God was speaking to them. And he says, this is what I want you to do. They were going to be there for 70 years, according to the prophecy. He said, this is what I want you to do. 
I want you to build houses. I want you to live in them. I want you to plant gardens. I want you to eat what those gardens produce. I want you to take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they might bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. Multiply there and do not decrease. So they weren't called to kind of live in this little um, I don't even know how to describe it, almost like this little enclave, kind of like we're going to build a wall around us. We're going to, he says, no, settle in, be a part of the community, build houses, get married, let your kids get married, have grandkids, be productive, be a part. And, and if, I could, if I could move it to the digital age, be a part of the conversation, be fruitful, look for the good things that God is doing. One of the things that, that is unique about God being at work and being fruitful is one of the things that came out of, a very positive thing that came out of the Babylonian captivity was this. Because uh, the temple had been destroyed, they, they needed to find a new way to find their identity, to worship uh, Yahweh God. And so what came to prominence, we know from history during the Babylonian captivity, was the, was the synagogue. We read in the New Testament about how Jesus would go to the synagogue. Well, because they couldn't worship in Jerusalem, the synagogue just basically means in Greek, it's a, and, and I looked this up on my computer just so you know. But anyway, but what it means, it, it means to gather, to gather together. So, so the synagogue became a place, probably not formal in the beginning, where they would, they would read uh, the scriptures. They would read the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They would gather to study the scriptures. They would gather to pray. They would gather to be in community together. This looked very, very, very different from how their religious life looked before when they would have to travel to Jerusalem. But now you see these little micro communities popping up all along in the Babylonian Empire, wherever you see Jews living, and they gathered in groups together. And so this is the fruitfulness. This is one of the good things that came out of that. And I will even say that our modern day churches are based on that exact same pattern of gathering together, of studying scripture, praying, caring for one another, being missional, and and it it the fruitfulness of that came or what came out of that um, was during the Babylonian captivity. So God is at work, and then He says this. He says also, what I want you to do is I want you to seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. So so don't withdraw, don't pull back, don't don't, you know, dig a hole and stick your head in it. He said, I want you to be missional. I want you, just like Jesus said, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to all the nations. Here these Jews were now living in this foreign country and he's and I'm, these are my words, but he said, I want you to be missional. I want you to seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you. And and so think about our modern day. That, that could look a thousand different ways. Um, I know Mark and I, we support a, uh, a little girl in Uganda through compassion. And when I write her letters, how do I write them? I don't, I don't get out a piece of paper. I type them on my computer and I hit send and they are sent to Uganda. Uh, so there's so many ways, but, but it's like be missional. Uh, for us, it's like use this new technology, use this new culture to really leverage and match 
maximize the good that we can do in the world today. Harness it for good, not for evil. So this is one, be fruitful, settle in, don't withdraw, be missional. The other thing that he says, he says, I've sent you into exile. He said, I also want you to pray to the Lord on its behalf. Pray to the Lord on its behalf. You know, today the news came, or this weekend the news came out um, about what's going on uh, with the, the bombing, I guess the, the airstrike against the general in Iran. And, and there's all these things swirling around. And so it can create fear. It can create this unsettling, this anxiety, what's happening to our world. But Jeremiah the prophet would say, of course, this is the nature of what it means to live in a fallen and a broken society. But you, my friends, you be missional in your prayers. Pray for the welfare. Pray for our leaders. Pray for those who are making the big decisions. Pray, pray, pray. Pray for, you know, the, the neighbor who, who has experienced a death in the family. Pray for, you know, fill in the blank. As we engage in society, as we engage in culture, we bump up against people who need God. They need prayer. They need to know his love. And that's what God has called us to do. Seek the welfare. Be missional of the city that you're in. Pray. Pray for the city. And then he says something, for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. We are to be agents of change. We are to be light. We are to be salt. We are to be those who proclaim the good news. And that's what Jeremiah was telling these exiles. Don't just, you know, throw, throw in the towel. Don't just sit in your bed and curl up in the fetal position and be discouraged and, oh, no, life is terrible and we're in this foreign country. It'll never be good again. He says, no, get up. Wash your face, get dressed, go out, work, because I am with you. I am with you. And then he says this, and drop down to verse 10. He says, for thus says the Lord, only when Babylon's 70 years are completed will I visit you. So he says there is an end to the captivity. This is not forever, but the, the, sea, will, the sea change will happen again. The culture will shift again. Your, your, your lives will change again. And that's what we know. It just seems like, you know, we don't know what the next thing is on the horizon. But we do know God is the one who is control. And he says, when the 70 years are completed, I will visit you. I will fulfill my promise and bring you back to this place. And then this beautiful, beautiful verse that we put on, you know, on uh, graduation cards and magnets and all of this. But this is the context. He says, for surely I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future and a hope. And if, if you're taking notes, I hope you'll just circle that big word, hope, 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 hope. Because, you know, it's easy to be fearful. It's easy to say, gosh, the, the, things are moving so fast. Uh, there is this fear of missing out. I'm, I'm worried that my kids are, you know, looking at their phones and, so, and they're getting bad information or what, whatever it is. But, but God says, no, there is hope that I am at work just as I have been in every single generation for those who call on my name. And he says, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. He promises that even in the midst of their captivity, even in the midst of this other culture, he said, your prayers are going to work just as good in Babylon as they did when you were at the temple because I am the God of all, I'm the God of all creation, and I am just as present in Babylon as I am 
in Jerusalem. I will hear your prayers if you call on me. And he says, and this is kind of the, the qualifier. He says, but well, here's how I want you. I want you to search for me. Because when you search for me, you will find me. When you seek me with all your heart, and I will let you find me says the Lord, and I'll restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations, from bring you back to the place from where I sent you in exile. But I love this where he says, he says, if you seek me with all your heart. And I think the thing that Jeremiah is telling the exiles is this, find your home in God. Find your home in God. I know that it looks different. The landscape has changed. I know that things are not like they were 10 years, 15, 20 years ago. And he said, but in the midst of this changing culture, don't, don't withdraw, engage, be missional in your prayers, be missional in your lives, but find your home in God. Ezekiel was another prophet who was writing to the exiles, and he, and he gave us this beautiful verse, and uh, Joseph, if you could put this up, it's Ezekiel eleven sixteen, and it says, Ezekiel's writing, and he says, thus says the Lord God, although I have cast them far off among the heathen, so that's what he's talking about, I've sent them off among the heathen, the Babylonians, and although I have scattered them among the countries, and I love this, he says, yet will I be to them as a little sanctuary in the countries. That phrase, I shall be to them a little sanctuary. Jerusalem was not the center of their world anymore. Now they were scattered. Uh, and, I, and I think about even our time, back when I grew up, uh, Pretty much everybody went to church. There was this monotheistic kind of, you know, I live in the South. And, and we just live in a very diverse culture these days. It's not the same. But it's not a time to say, oh, it's so bad. No, there's so many great opportunities. But in the midst of it, as exiles, how do we discern the times? How do we navigate this? We allow God to be our little sanctuary where we seek his face, we seek his voice, and we look to his scripture and his word to proclaim truth to us. Uh, so often our phones have become our counselors. How many of you have, you know, had, had a problem or uh, I, it's, it's amazing. Like uh, my granddaughter was born. She wasn't pooping. We, we were home from the hospital. Uh, poor little Ellie. I'm just telling this to the whole world today. But anyway, she, we, you know, we had several hours go by and she hadn't, she hadn't wet her diaper. And so I'm like, oh no, is everything working? Is she dying? So what do I do? I Google it. You know, how often should it a newborn go to the bathroom and then it's like oh okay we're good we're good so I mean we use our phones as our as our counselors as our friends as our entertainment but don't walk away don't allow that to distract you from kind of the soul development that 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 nurturing of your soul your spiritual life that can only be found in the Lord it's my hope and my prayer that as we head into 2020 that the Lord is our sanctuary that we find our home in him and that we seek his face and we seek the good of the nature of the of the nation and the culture in which we live and that we become those lights in the dark just like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we are still reading their stories today because they were different. They were resilient in their faith. They had courage. And that's the same hope that I have for you and me today.